Salutations. Hi. I'm Tara. I'm Adam. And this is Basic Snitches. Hey. How are you? <laughs> All right. Just running around like a fucking psycho crazy person. I don't know how much we need to go into this, but I'm just angry and fed up with the world. <laughs> We're recording this early um, May. So if... Yeah, I you mean, know. You know. You know. You know. We don't need to go into details, but I think that, you know, Terry and I already had a conversation before we started recording where I think it's just about time that we've dismantled the patriarchy. Well, you're not going to ever hear any sort of argument against that from me. <laughs> no, not at all. And I think that we can agree with that on all of our listeners, too. Of course, we support pro-choice and privacy and, I you know... your own fucking business mind your own fucking business exactly so i'm pissed i'm sick of the world and i'm ready to eat the rich i have been in that mindset for so very long yes right now i am in the middle of a production of silent sky which is about the astronomer henrietta levitt it's very fascinating because the whole story is these women astronomers who existed it's a dramatized version of course of her life and the whole play they're just oh yeah we're doing the work for the men and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is frightening because I didn't know who these people were until this play came into my life. And I have just been very offended by the patriarchy, especially like diving into this, being like, this is actually based off of real material. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, good. And now this just continues to get worse. And so that's been on my mind a lot, too. Might as well be 1910 again. Waiting to lose my right to vote. I'm ready for all my rights to be... I mean, clearly that is sarcasm. I have no intention of losing any rights. I have no intention seeing all of the women in my life lose rights. If you have women in your life, which we all do, and if you can't respect their bodily autonomy, time for you to go. And you know what? People do try to make an argument, but when you back it up by science and the past and all of that... That argument is bullshit. If you are pro-life, there is no such thing. It's more anti-choice when you look at what the ramifications are that this would do. And it impacts everybody. It doesn't just impact women. That is my little soapbox moment. I'm fueled with the rage of a thousand suns. I know you are too. Get out of the women's way. That is how I feel. The what? What's the saying? Ain't no rap like a woman scorned? Oh, something like that. Someone will correct us on what that exactly yeah. is. But y'all know what I'm saying. You know, I recently saw something on TikTok that said, some people are so delusional that they feel disrespected when you stand up and won't let them disrespect you. And that is what it is here. Everybody needs to mind their own fucking business and realize that it goes two ways. And just because you got a dick and you might have white skin and be of a certain age, don't mean that you deserve more respect than anybody else. End of rant. End of rant. (laughs) It's apropos, I think, in this book, too, when you see that power struggle and everything. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, get out there and write to your Congress people, donate, fight in the streets or whatever you can, because this is not happening. There is no intention of this happening, and it's not going to happen. Moving on. Today we are discussing... <laughs> I just hate thinking about this week. <sighs> yeah, this this whole week I was just... It was, I was in an awful mood. I'm sure you were too. I was in the week. Sure was. If you join our Patreon, every other week Tara does uh, like a little blog post and then I do the, on the opposite week, so on and so forth. And I'm sure I'll get a little bit into that in this week's Patreon. Mine this week was interesting, so yeah. Today we are discussing a chapter of Order of the Phoenix. Chapter 34. Thank you. And that is called the, Fight or Flight? No, that's no, the that was that's last what we one. did last time. What the, the fuck was that one? The Department oh, yeah. of Mysteries. The yep. Department of Mysteries. Yes. But speaking of Patreon. Yes. 
really quick before I list out those names. A quick correction on what I just said. Those weekly blogs where Tara and I go back and forth, those are actually only at the Quen tier, at our $10 tier. There's still a lot of great exclusive content that you can get at our other tiers. At $3 a month, you get extra bit of exclusive content every single week and you're recognized in every single one of our episodes, just like these folks. Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Layla, Marybeth, Megan, Meredith, Nisi, Nicole, and Raph. And we appreciate all of you so, so much. Thanks for your support. You can join that list at the $3 tier. $5 tier is the extra points tier, and that's where you get access to exclusive merch, access to a tarot reading from me once per quarter. And then we are currently still posting our mini cutting room floors, but as you know, we're getting to the end of the season. It is likely that that isn't going to be around for too much longer because we want to use those clips in that bigger episode. So we're exploring the possibility of having a meet and greet with Tara also once per quarter so that she can join in the fun where I get to meet all of our Quens and she also gets to meet those Quens. And then at the $10 Quen tier, you do get that weekly diary from me and Tara and then also a mini fishbowl episode, which you may be hearing us talk about a little bit in these upcoming episodes. There's a lot of great ideas we have for those. Basically what those are is we have a whole list of random subjects. We pick one randomly and without any preparation, we just talk about it for about 25 minutes. Those are super, super fun. Some of our really best episodes. So also it goes without saying that if you join one of the higher tiers, you get all of the benefits from all the tiers below you as well. Join today at patreon.com slash basic snitches. Before I read the thing Adam wrote. Yes, which is very small. Uh, well, your chapter was substantially shorter than mine. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it um, was. But, you know, and substantially less traumatizing. Yes. Anyway, chapter 34, which was fight and flight. Who do you think won that round? Or that round? Literally that round, that uh. chapter? Because we all know Umbridge lost. Umbridge lost, yeah. obviously. You could almost make an argument for anybody. I'm just going to say the Grops. Well, it's a five-person win. Oh, whoa. <laughs> right? It's a five-person win. Sounds like RuPaul's go. Drag Race this yes. season. Well, one of them is the Grops. <laughs> the other four are... Harry and no. Hermione. No? Harry and Hermione are the two out of the... They don't. Oh, the, really? Luna, Neville, Jenny, Ron. Because they get away from the fucking inquisitorial squad. Yeah. And they find them in the woods exactly. And it's like, yeah, they just they they just have magical abilities to get there, I guess. Yeah. It's almost like they're magic. You know, that's a good point. Hermione and Harry were a little bit more lucky, whereas those all They lucked they out. They did more. Yeah, they stuff. they lucked out. I mean, circumstantial, you get where you get based on what's going on, so whatever, but the four of them definitely had to do something to get out, so Adam wrote a thing about chapter 34. Chapter 34, The Department of Mysteries. Yeah, it's pretty weird to be flying on invisible creatures, but that's nothing, honey. They don't even need to break into the ministry. They literally just waltz into the Department of Mysteries like they're about to go shopping at Tarjay. Shopping for weird-ass clock, brains steeped in brine, and crystal balls. Honestly, it's just a Tuesday for Madam Adam. It really is. Seriously, <laughs> it's like one big fucked up museum with moving walls and creepy doors. Eventually, they get to row 97 in the Hall of Prophecies, and Sirius isn't there. A concept that Harry will need to get used to really soon. <laughs> Ron notices that there's a prophecy with Harry's name on it, and then suddenly a disembodied voice is like, Hey, let me hold your ball, Harry. Ew, Michelle. I don't get that reference. Obviously, it's a drag race reference. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, 
yeah. any of my strange rope. Chapter starts with them leaving. Yeah, they jump on the Thestrals. Okay, so first of all, just gonna bitch about this once, probably. The author keeps referring to the Thestrals as horses most of this chapter, or most of the time that they're mentioned here. I'm annoyed. The end, that's all. <laughs> well, there was that little thing about Sagittarius as being horses. Yeah. Earlier in this book, too. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different thing because like, that was other people calling them horses and mm. the characters being horrible and racist against them. This is literally the author choosing to say, ah, oh, they're actually just horses. Like, yeah. don't do that. Aren't they more of a Pegasus? Because they have wings? Yeah, like, they have wings. <laughs> that would be their, like, classification. It's not like yeah. they're, like, a Palomino or a Clydesdale or what I just realized I know more about horse breeds than I thought I did. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, they clearly have some distinguishing characteristics like, that make them beyond a, just a horse. This is the end of my list of, of horse breeds that I know. <laughs> Those are the two. That's it. So they fly and... I do think they do justice of like talking about those who can't see it and how it, they're just like, this is fucking bizarre. Oh yeah. And... Ron being like, I don't know how do we do this? And then Luna handles it. Ron and Ginny and Hermione are probably having quite a terrifying flight to London. There's one moment where they take the nosedive downward. Like, oh, can, can you imagine? imagine? Oh my God. Right? The Harry's like, this is where we're going. And the Thestrals are like, all right, let's do this. Like, yeah. they are amazing. They're very receptive. Yeah. They're like, I guess we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. When they touch down, they're like, bath Thestrals, and they're like, we're going to go eat some garbage now. Right? London garbage might be better than Hogwarts garbage. Let's find out. Probably. There's probably, probably. more like greasy, nasty food. Right? Well, there. and also the house elves are just cleaning up all the garbage. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. too. Yeah. You know? That makes me wonder, like, does Hogwarts have, like, incinerator or something? Like, how do they get rid of the garbage right. at Hogwarts? Right. That is maybe something for a fishbowl episode. <laughs> Not a very exciting fishbowl episode, but one other thing during this journey, Harry's inner monologue is constantly like, I know Sirius is fine. I know Sirius is fine. Yeah. I'm assuming that if Sirius were dead, he would feel it in his scar. I think he would. Obviously, we get a little bit of commentary in the next chapter about what's really been happening in Harry's head. Not as much as we like, but there is some. But... Again, he only has what he's experienced to go mm. off of. And he has felt pain when there have been things that have happened. He also, I think, is just desperately holding on to that idea. I don't think Harry's an idiot to the point... I mean, Harry's an idiot. But I don't think Harry is an idiot to the point where he isn't aware that Darius could absolutely be dead and he wouldn't know. It's one of those things, but he's, like, holding on to that as being like, but I haven't felt it, so it can't have happened. Yeah, that's, you know? and that's, that's a good idea. That's, like, a human thing, you he, know? He's holding on to the hope. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much, I mean, because what else has this kid ever really yeah. had besides that? I would go so far to say, too, I mean, we're all idiots about certain things. In this case, it's just that Harry is more street smart than book smart. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. They just had owls. Like, we know that he is book smart about some things, you know? So. Oh, yeah. Harry's a good dude, you know? And right now, his heart is definitely being strained by all of this and his soul, like, everything. This is very stressful for him. I feel like it's the same kind of thing that if you heard someone you care about was in, like, a terrible car accident and you haven't heard to see if they're okay or not. Yeah. And, like, you're like, I haven't been told yet that they're not okay. So that's what's here, you know? And so that's what Harry is holding on to, even though it could be very well that he wouldn't actually feel it. They uh, get there. <laughs> um, and they don't really have to break into the ministry. They get the badges. Yeah, this is so tongue-in-cheek. It says rescue mission on the badges. Easier for them to break into the Ministry of Magic than Dolores Umbridge's office. Right. What the yeah. fuck? Now, also, Eric Munch, who is the security <laughs> guard, 
he's not there. So in theory. Well, and I think that, you know, because Harry, I think, is like, oh, there should be a security guard there. Yeah. There's no way there would not be at least some security. So the fact that they got in is one thing. Like getting into the atrium and going to whatever. My thoughts are if they just tried to break in on a Tuesday evening at eight o'clock, like it probably is, they would get down there. And the security guard would be like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, yeah. Look, like you got you got to go or whatever. I think that is probably more accurate because when you even think of like museums, and I know this from <laughs> watching documentaries about like art thefts and stuff. Right. You're able to at least get into like an atrium, for example, mm-hmm. but there's like, going to be that security there, you know? Well, and I imagine that there are ministry employees that may need to go there in the middle of the night or maybe right. there's like yeah, a shift change. And so the ways in are still there, but like other other parts of the building would be off limits or I have no idea obviously we're not there but like I mean I've worked in you know, like corporate buildings and stuff and like there was no third shift at Sterling but there was a security guard there over all night because there are millions of dollars worth of diamonds and jewelry yeah, in the building yeah even when I worked for cleveland.com we had security people right there and then that's where you get the badges and stuff yeah. to be able to visit and there were times where I would work out after work and be there somewhat late and even leaving there was always like a security person there so i don't even know how long people were there well and i wonder if the magic code that harry and arthur use because that's the visitor's entrance that they said at the beginning of the book i wonder if you have to be scheduled to come to the ministry you are given a code or someone comes to meet you and it's a ministry employee but arthur goes with harry so he knows the code so now harry knows the code so maybe it literally, they didn't have oh, to break in. Harry literally could just be like, well, into the code, here we go. Yeah. You know? Well, that's possible too. That maybe makes more sense. This obviously makes me think of like a computer. And it's probably not a computer or anything like that because it's clearly magic. In this event, is there some sort of log? Is this telephone booth able to record somehow this person came to the ministry at this time for this reason and those logs are somewhere? Because otherwise, even despite all of that and that there's a security guard and stuff, clearly getting rid of a security guard is an easy thing to do. So this back entrance is not as secure for like your governmental buildings yeah. Everything that we said, I think, makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, there are a lot more things that are more secure. I'm sorry, St. Mungo's is a little bit more secure. I'm going to say it. These two chapters are fucking chaos. Yep, and they uh, do not actually make very much sense. For the most part in this series, I like to be like, oh, it's magic. Just accept it. It's a whole different created world. And that's fine. But these particular chapters if you start to dissect them you don't get very much further than like the layer surface before you're like oh that doesn't work that doesn't yeah work. there are obviously other magical elements in this series that work better these two chapters that's my big issue really the ministry of magic in this book does not make sense yeah and Just, like we said at the beginning of this episode maybe it's apropos that we're looking at like a governmental institution right. how fucked up it is because there is that too there's something wrong at the ministry. It is a mess. Now, speaking of security measures, they very easily, they get to the elevators, <laughs> they go down, and like, there is nothing blocking their way whatsoever until they get into the door and then the wall starts to shift, mm-hmm. like a carousel sort of thing. That seems like maybe a security measure to me, because why else would they have Oh, that? I think so. Clearly the Department of Mysteries is... Mysterious. Is, right. I mean, you know, you have the one room that's locked, which I think... It's established later in the book that that's, like, the room where they're studying the power of love. Really? That's, like, maybe a fan theory, or maybe it's something that Dumbledore hints at later in the book. That makes sense. 
to me. While I was thinking about this at first, because let's talk about these doors and the yes. weird shit that's in them. In the movie, which, guess what? We actually did watch a movie this time, so we're prepared. In the movie, the way that it's painted, basically, is the Department Prophecy. of Mysteries is oh, basically yeah. the Hall of Prophecies. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, there's this room that has the arch in it. And that's it. Yeah, we don't get to explore all that. But this, in the book, is fun. This, in the book, is fun. And I think what this is, because it's the Department of Mysteries, what it seems to me, this is maybe an opportunity for witchy music? Maybe? Sure, why not? feels like it's the hall of social constructs the next chapter and of course we'll talk a little bit more about that there too but it comes up in this chapter beyond the veil you know when they say like the veil is thin the construct of this world versus like the spirit world because that is clearly i think what the veil and the arch is but then there's other things too like the concept of time now people say that time is a construct Some of that stuff, there's like spiritual meanings behind it. And like, I don't even completely, it's hard to wrap your brain around it unless you like really think about it and dive into it. Because there's, you know, the room where there's all the weird clocks and Mm -hmm. time turners and all of that. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think about like, what do the brains represent? Like, that feels like such a weird thing to me. The construct of like your mind being this very one dimensional thing. People always say you're capable of anything that you put your mind to. Like, I was trying to define all these weird things and say, why is this a choice of something that's in the Hall of Mysteries? So to that point, even if it is a fan theory, the construct of love and what is love, baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. Thank you. I was this close from walking away from that. And then I was like, no, I'm going to move forward with that. I'm doing it. (laughs) I like that because I feel like that is also a construct. As y'all know, meditation is my thing. Typically in the past, I would just do my timer and I would time me for 10 minutes and I would meditate by myself. But I've started to do guided meditation and I've done guided meditations on love and self-love. And in all of these, it's that you are love. You are made of love. Literally, there's no way for you to not be loved because that is what your being is, which is a concept. Like even me saying out loud is kind of a strange (laughs) thing to wrap your head around, I think. But it kind of shows that, you know, love is depicted as a very specific thing in our society. And these days, when things in our society are being revealed, tying it back to real life a little bit, you start to see all the constructs and how our society is based on things like patriarchy and racism and classism and all this other fucking bullshit that a lot of us are either waking up to or becoming even more aware of and seeing it in every single aspect of our society it makes sense that these are all things that are kind of constructs and thus they are in the department of mysteries yeah does that make sense yes that is so much more generous than i am because again i fall back on my thoughts that this is like a lazy mess. It's also a lazy mess. In 100 because like if you... You're so generous about it. I'm like, it's it's such a mess. <laughs> I'm looking through this lens because I am very but, much in But it's good to try to find thought. the meaning of it for yourself. Like that's important. And I appreciate that because it makes me think. Because otherwise, what the fuck? Why did they got these like swimming brains up in here? Do you want to start a softball team called the Swimming Brains? No, I do not. Me neither. So I'm glad that you shot that <laughs> no down. No sports. <laughs> 
I'm only good at judging people and talking about Harry Potter. Neither of those are sports. I would disagree. I think judging could very well be a sport. And speaking of, again, talking about current events, some people are really bad at it. Oops. Whereas we are clearly excelling at the sport of judging. So And other things. Yeah, among other things. Do these brains show up? Ever again. I mean, in the next chapter. <laughs> Other than that. No, yeah. they don't. Because the time room, that is a theme that happens in the third book. The Hall of Prophecies, clearly, that is like a big bang. This archway, the veil, and you could go so far to argue that it shows up in the seventh book when Harry goes and visits Dumbledore at King's Cross Station. There are elements of everything else, so the brain thing feels very random and out of place. I'm not like mad at it. I'm not like, ugh, what is this? Because it is interesting. To be because I don't know how wizards study these things, obviously. Mm. I don't know how non-wizards study these type of things. The idea of maybe having these brains to try to pull full memory from, to, Ooh. you know, it's a lot to try to take in. Like, you either have to go really deep or just be like surface area otherwise <laughs> there's like a, a weird gap for me it's definitely one of those things that's up for interpretation but because it's so haphazard and chaotic it is also very easy to just be like okay well ministry magic got these brains floating yeah. in some liquid initially luna's even like oh my god they're some sort of larva and i was almost like you know what what luna says almost makes more sense <laughs> you know yeah but, you know, they are brains. So they have that. And then, of course, a little bit more about the veil. Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. Let's... Because the veil is so... Is right here. Yeah. So the six of them and how they respond to it. Ron and Hermione are nothing to do with it. And Harry and Luna are, like, on the other side of the spectrum. And they're, like, fascinated by it. I think you might be going in the same direction. And the other two are right in the middle. And I'm like, what is pulling at each of them in these different areas? Yes. Is what I want to explore. Okay. Can I yes, answer go. this? Okay. Yes. They just wrote Thestrals, okay? And we know Neville, obviously, who is a little bit more in the middle, mm -hmm. he is able to see Thestrals too. Just like Luna and Harry are, but Luna and Harry, I think, are a little bit more open about it. Going based on what I said, and like, Harry's able to hear the voices and stuff, this is another example towards my theory that Harry's better at divination than you think, because divination and clairvoyancy and all of that are kind of like connected. Harry's third eye is a little bit more open. Mm -hmm. I think Luna definitely has a very open third eye. Oh, yes. They are able to hear the voices, because even, like, in the movie, and I think in the book, too, Hermione's like, there's no voices, Harry. Very similar to the whole Thestral thing. So that veil being on the other side is, like, the spirit world makes a lot of sense that Harry is a little bit more drawn to it because he is clearly a little bit more aligned with the spirit world. Mm -hmm. Whereas Hermione doesn't want anything to do with it. Because we very much know that she is firmly planted. You know, she yeah. believes more in logic. This is why she doesn't like the divination and everything. So I think that this shows a little bit more about the connection to death that some of the characters have over others. That was really where my brain went too mm -hmm. is that connection to death. This is I think pretty dark but there's something about the idea of the calmness that you would imagine is in the afterlife. There's something about that. I feel like their souls are maybe connecting to. Harry and Luna have been through things and the idea we've seen since book one if Harry were to suddenly drop dead, he has already made peace with the idea of death. And that's what it exactly. is. Exactly. And that's, that's the next very thing I was dark. Say. Yeah. That's very dark. Ron and Hermione, and thank God, because children should not have had to deal with the kinds of things that they've all had to. Ron and Hermione have not been in those places where you have Harry and Luna. Harry, obviously, we know his whole story. The concept of death, if Harry were to be done living at this very moment, there is a calmness to that, and there's almost like a pull to that. Yeah. Not that he is suicidal or whatever, but it's like in the Fantastic Beasts movie 
where they're trying to kill Tina and Newt, and Tina's being, like, shown all those memories, and the woman is like, isn't that nice? Look at those nice memories and stuff. And, like, this pull of something good, we don't get to see it, but there's something that feels good about that, I think, to Harry and Luna. And I think for Neville and Ginny, who are the most interesting pair here, honestly, is that tentativeness to the idea of it. I have dealt with things, especially Ginny, you know, because we've seen it for Ginny. Obviously, Neville, it's a little more outside of it, but yeah, it's still there. Yeah, it's a little nebulous, yeah. I don't know. To me, I feel like there's something about this archway that has this feel-good, calm, pull, yeah. like... You and I are 100% I'm, I'm, on the same there's, page. there's a word that I'm totally searching for that I cannot find, but... So I'm, I'm stumbling through it, and it sounds very stupid, so I'm sorry. No, but no, like, no. You're totally on top. It's like there's a piece. There's, there's yes, there's a piece, and dear God, like Luna, I think is always in a state of ready to be peaceful, just because that's who she mm. is. And Harry is always, I think, in a constant state of needing peace. Yeah. And I think that Ginny aligns with Harry really well here, and Neville aligns with Luna really well here, but they're both apprehensive mm-hmm. because of just who they are. They're not as deep into it yeah. as the other two. Well, yeah. and obviously we kind of know what dark things are pulling at them. But Neville, especially this year, I think the idea of the DA and becoming better friends with people and really coming into himself here kind of puts him in this place. At the beginning of the year, he would have been further one direction or the other. Yeah. Same this, with Ginny for is... different reasons because Ginny has just become so much... Well, no, for the same reasons really as Neville. Uh-huh. I think at the beginning of the year, Ginny would have been closer to the veil. And now I think she's in a better place. Maybe. So many times in the series we see that Harry is not afraid to confront death whatsoever. He's not scared of it. So he is a little bit more open to it. You were also kind of like, I'm going to get a little bit like abstract here. So am I. Through my work with meditation, mindfulness, and like also all the kind of witchy stuff that I explore, it's kind of weird to say this out loud because it is a concept, but we are all spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. Like when you hear about like manifestation, it's asking the universe for something, raising your frequency and your vibration in order to align with the universe. When you are anxious or depressed or anything, your vibration is lower. So having yeah. a higher vibration to resonate with the universe. However, we are all viewing the universe through our own perception and our own angle. Like, Mm -hmm. the way that I see things is different from the way everyone else does. It's very easy to get caught in your own head and be like, this is my own situation. I'm going through this alone. This is my perspective and that's it. And you don't realize everybody else is going through their own thing too. Mm -hmm. They are all also viewing the universe from their own perspective. Yeah. Through that, you could almost say, you are the universe viewing the universe. (laughs) Okay. So we're all spiritual beings. When we finish this journey and everything, there are, again, constructs in this life that have taught us to believe things a certain way. That there is a heaven and a hell. And I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit religious here. The fact that if you are not a good person and you do not follow these rules, that you will go to hell. But that is a human experience. That is something that we have been taught as humans. Mm Mm-hmm in order to get people to believe and think a certain way and to, in a way, scare people. If Mm -hmm. you have this power, you have created this villain for people to be scared of, then you, the church, has power over people. But if you don't believe in that construct and you realize all of the power that you have is in you, 
like I said previously, like if you put your mind to something, you're able to do anything. You are love, you are the universe. When you have that power, you're not tied down by these constructs that you're taught, right. then you have unlimited energy. And so I think that Harry is a little bit more closer to that because he realizes, okay, he's not scared of it. There's nothing for him to be scared of. Yeah. Whereas Voldemort is clearly afraid of death. Right. He split his soul into multiple pieces just so that he didn't have to die. Yeah. So I think that that also is kind of an overarching theory here. I feel like this is the most philosophical I've gotten on this podcast <laughs> in like five seasons. It's, because it is some deep stuff. <laughs> it is. The veil is never explained. It's never, you know, whatever. But it does spark a thought yeah. for you. You know, it, it sparks your own personal reaction to it. And I think that that's useful. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. This is when they tried to get through the door, right after the arch. The locky door? Yes, the locked door yeah. that melts Harry's knife and does an Alohomora. When that happened, too, I was like, is this foreshadowing? Because Sirius is knife, etc. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione's like, we're leaving that one. I do and have to say, the flow gratte thing, oh, yeah. very clever. Well I done, Hermione. It. Well done, Hermione. Yeah. So this section, though, here, I feel like we have to highlight back to that whole thing about this room being about love. Hermione says, right, we're leaving that room. But what if it's the one, said Ron, staring at it with a mixture of apprehension and longing. Maybe. Ron, who probably out of everyone in the group, I think struggles with the idea of love more than anyone because of his place in the family. And, oh, 100%. And, you know, I was kind of already on top of uh, on top of you. I'm literally on top of. Um, <laughs> That's how we're recording right today. I'm crushing Tara with my large body right now. <laughs> I bet you're really jealous. <laughs> Speaking of love, <laughs> no, oh. Brian, are you jealous? <laughs> you jealous? I'm on top of terror right now. I was already kind of like into this idea that you had, but even that a that makes Ron even more relatable to me. But it totally tracks. I feel like even just in these short little things that you have said about that, I feel it's canon. I'm right, I'm there. There are lovely little moments here where you're like, oh, and it's just it's just this nice little insight to Ron. And Ron being the one that the author is pointing out is drawn to that room that they can't get into. Yeah. Of course, they know that's not it because mm -hmm. Harry's like, no, I could get into it in my dream because dreams are totally reality, Harry. And then they go to... The glittery room. The glittery room with the fucking weird-ass jars and the... Bell jar and the clocks. Which we, we get to see more of in the next chapter. Yeah. That leads into the whole... Leads into prophecy. the whole prophecy. Yeah. And so they keep going. Obviously, in his vision, he saw row 97. I don't know if there's any symbolism to that number. No, I don't think so. When they get there, of course, Sirius we find out. Sirius is not there. Sirius is not there, but the, there is There's a the random ball. ball. And it says, SPT, Sybil Patricia Trelawney. <laughs> To APWBD. Now we know what like, all those we, Like, anyone who looks at that is like, well, this was said to Dumbledore because no one else has 16 different names. Yes. Furthermore, ST. Who do yeah. we know that has yeah. that? Those... So we know. But I yeah. mean, like, people in general, they're like waltzed down the Hall of Prophecy being like, huh, I wonder who has five initials. Yeah. Must be Dumbledore. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. You know what that made me think of? That made me think of that song that it's like the most juvenile christmas song ever that's like must be santa i don't know that song. must be dumbledore because it's like who has a big fat fucking sack who has a big fat fucking sack 
must be Santa. That sounds like... I am okay if I never hear that song. Yeah, those clearly aren't the lyrics, but it's like, (laughs) who has a rosy fucking face? I I don't know. It's all Santa stuff, and then... But it made me think of, like, the Dumbledore version. (laughs) Who has a 5,000 fucking initials? Must be Dumbledore. Right, no kidding. And so, yeah, then Harry goes to take it, and they're like, don't touch it. And he's like, it has my name on it. Sure. (laughs) Whatever. I'm trying to, like, think of something that's relatable, but... I don't know. I mean, that's like working for a major health system and being like, I should look at my medical record. There we go. You should Thank not you. look at your medical <laughs> that, record because good, you will get fired. That is a good example. But I guess, yes. you know, there's no one here to monitor that yeah. or they are. I don't know. It's just very weird. But at the same time, you know what? They came all the way here. Sirius isn't here. Clearly, this must be a sign. And I mean, unfortunately, they walk right into the trap. There. Right. But, which was bound to happen. Our favorite, not yet named in this chapter... A disembodied Death voice. Eater, disembodied voice that belongs to a very rich man with beautiful hair. And he's like, hey, nice ball you got there. Can I see can it? Can I touch can that I, ball? Can I lick that ball? Please. Now, the only other thing <laughs> I really that I have to say is if they only knew that this was the weapon that they were talking about. It's or, very you know? interesting. Them not understanding the whole prophecy thing is really very fascinating. Yeah. Speaking of playing with balls, do you have a game for I me? I do. I have a quiz for you. Oh, a quiz. You know what? I do really like the quiz game, even though my track record is very inconsistent. Well, this is a quiz about London. Oh, great. Is it about stuff that's in the book or just like... No, it's just in general. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not going to do well at this. So, so all of the answers that I will be supplying as needed are courtesy of Google. So, you know, take that for what it's worth because I just came up with questions oh, and then man, looked up the answers. Unfair, but whatever. No, no, no. Okay. It's like it's guessing and stuff because okay. a lot of this, I had no idea. So this first one is approximately, because we don't know exactly where Hogwarts is, how long is a flight from Scotland to London? Approximately. An hour very good uh, so <laughs> when my See? grandparents lived in baltimore around like the easter holiday i would always travel by myself when i was a child baltimore was an hour flight and i'm like that was seven hours i i can't imagine that it would be yeah super long literally if you just google it very generically it says one hour and ten oh minutes. and actually when they got on the fast rolls harry was like he'd never gone that fast and his like face was so maybe it was very simple. yeah it's obvious flu buck bake he flows he flows brooms, is what I'm about to say. We're in the middle of the game, but... Well, yes, yeah, no. So, yeah, no, that's great. About how many miles do you think they flew? Oh, I don't know. They don't use miles. Do they use miles in there? Okay, well, listen. Do you want to try to figure out what kilometers would be? Okay, 5,000. If I could fly 5,000 miles on a Thestral, I would be magic. So the amount of miles from Dufftown, which is like the closest real town in Scotland that we know of, to Hogwarts to London is 570 miles. So close enough. Yeah. I said 5,000. Sure. I like it. Okay. This is a eliminate type of thing. Not really. Which of the following is not a hospital in London? (laughs) Oh my God. So the London Bridge Hospital, St. Thomas, St. Edward, Cleveland Clinic, St. Bartholomew. You stupid bitch. Cleveland (laughs) Clinic. No, there's totally Cleveland Clinic in London. There is? Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm the stupid bitch, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That was a... uh, That was a a red herring? Yes. (laughs) The London Bridge Hospital. It's it's St. Edward. 
Oh my god. There is, but here we go. There's I thought a, you were gonna be like the Cheerio. Would you like a spot of tea hospital or something like that? So there is a King Edward the Seventh Hospital, which is the private hospital that the royal family would go to. But there is no Saint Edward Hospital. Great. I that one was a trick question. I know. <laughs> I am aware of that. Cleveland Clinic London literally just opened in the last month. I guess I'm sure gonna hate this one too. About how many red telephone boxes are there in London? Two. Why do you hate me? Ten thousand. Cool. We don't have payphones here in America. Anymore. You know what? Yesterday I was driving around and I was at a stoplight and I looked over and there was a telephone booth but there was no telephone around. Yeah, that's like a thing that every time I see a telephone booth in America, I'm like, why is that there? Yeah. I don't know. In America, like I've been in other countries recently, but apparently some of the telephone boxes are, have been like, we can't remove this, it's historical or whatever. Yeah, Google. I'm sure the one over there at the corner of like <laughs> Memphis and Tiedemann, <laughs> next to a gas station, I'm sure that that is historical. Right, right. London's over here got some cool historical boxes. We're all like, why are we keeping this? <laughs> Two more questions. Where does the British Parliament meet? At the Parliament building. <laughs> This is the only one I knew the answer to before I At did the this. Chuck E. Cheese. The, the Palace of Westminster. Oh, yeah, I probably should have. Yeah, I, was but... say, I feel like you know this. Okay, and that's multiple choice. What was the most visited tourist attraction in London in 2021? The British Museum, the Royal Botanic Gardens, Tower of London, Westminster Abbey, Stonehenge. It's a hard one. I'm going to say it's not one of the first two, I, but I'm probably wrong. I didn't even think of Stonehenge. I was thinking of like a Tower of London situation, so I'll just go with that. The Royal Botanic Gardens. Are you shitting me? Instead of seeing all this other stuff, like these magical rock, magical you're gonna rock. go look at flowers? I, I feel like they're probably gorgeous, and when I go to London in 2024, I will be going there, but. I haven't even been at the Botanical Gardens here in Cleveland. I also have not. Cause I'm like, it's flowers. I got flowers in my house. I'm just gonna do all the things in my house. Do you wanna go to the Botanical Gardens? Sure. Okay, let's go. This episode's over. Bye. Bye. So we did watch the movie, as I said previously, so we know a little bit more like what happens. And our big thought was, okay, what happens after he faints, after the twins go off and do their thing? And basically they regroup really quick. Harry tells Ron and Hermione what happened. They go like straight to Umbridge's office, no plan or anything. He uses the knife to get in. It is even more haphazard than in the book. He doesn't even get to stick his head in the fire. Yeah. Then bitch is just there. She's just there. Then all of a sudden, oh, guess Everyone what? Everyone is there. Yeah. The Slytherin Nazi youth are dragging in the other ones like, oh, we found Neville. Here he is. Right. Oh, don't understand They have it. to be here. But then it follows the book very, very closely up until they're in the middle of the forest and Grop does pick her up and he's just like, ew, why did I pick this up? Right. And he drops it on the Sagittarius and they're like, thank you, bitch, bye. And then they come out of the forest, they make their way out, they're on the bridge, and then that is when the other four meet them at the bridge, and they're like, oh yeah, we beat those motherfuckers up. Yeah. Now how do we get there? And that's when Luna's like, we fly. We fly. Yes. So now we're caught up. And we even said when this happened, it makes a little bit more sense that it happened this way, rather than them magically finding them in the middle of the forest. Yeah, but... Even the way that they communicated on the bridge of like, hey, thanks for your help up to this point, but I, you guys have been in enough trouble. I kind of like it more than the whole like, you guys don't, shouldn't be coming with me, blah, 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 blah. I mean, to be fair, and I think I said this when we did the chapter in the book, Harry literally is not thinking clearly. 
Scary. Their energies are heightened in yeah. that way. He can't placate anything. You know, he has to just be like, this is where he's feeling. He's not thinking about what he's saying. He doesn't yeah. give a shit. Because he has one thing on his mind. Because we're like, we like Harry and we, we're cheering for him. We like, I think, the movie because he's much more polite. Yeah. But I think the book is very true to it because... I mean, I don't know, because I've never been in that particular type of situation, obviously, but like, I might very well be like, you know what? I don't have time for this shit right now, because that's kind of what Harry's undertone yeah, is in the book. Yeah, yeah. But, but I do appreciate the movie, because they're like, oh, that's our nice, polite Harry. Yeah. <laughs> that all does make a lot of sense. I will agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, so then they it matches pretty well. They get there. Yeah. They, and then they're just running through the hall suddenly. Yeah, they don't do the whole, like telephone booth thing because we've kind of already seen it so sure it's fine same sort of thing they go right in they are met with no blockage yeah There's, they just kind of go in and, and then they, they kind of go right into the room yep we got no brains that's i got fine. no brains okay. to hold me wait what is that that's not from the wizard of us no. Yo, oh that. that's what it is i have songs in my heart today I don't know. And, and all of them are like mixed with other songs and it's kind <laughs> they, of fantastic. They really are. I'm, I'm making mashups on the no, go, baby. Mashups. So yeah, they go right into the Hall of Prophecy. They um, go right to row 97. Same thing happens. They're like, no, there's no serious, but there is this ball and your name is on it. And Harry's like, okay, I want this. There's your dryer. Thank you. Thank you, dryer. <laughs> Harry's like, I want this ball. And then a Death Eater appears and clips his luscious hair. Yeah, you can't like, even like really see it yet, but he there is a mushroom hanger up in there. Yeah. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. And that's when you like pause the movie and you're like, I've seen enough for today. And chapter thirty four seems like a good place to stop. Yeah. <laughs> points are very, very simple. Thirty points to Harry, because he's leading this this whole thing. Honestly, if they had gotten there and hit I mean, they're not gonna go there without Harry, but he knows how to get in. He's gone through this before, of course, from what happens at the beginning of the book. Plus 20 to Luna, though, for really knowing about the Thestrals and getting them at least mobile. And then 15 to Hermione for the Flagrate charm. Because oh, I, great. I really was like, uh, that is a time saver. So they all get more points, but still tend to Ron, Neville, and Ginny. They're great. And yes. they're there. And no negative points. Unless you don't have a loser for the next chapter, I don't know who's going to lose. But we're not here to talk about that now. We'll yeah. talk about that next time in... Hello, next time in chapter 35. Beyond, Beyond the, the Veil. veil. <laughs> Adam is looking at me like, what is this? Yeah, you said B, and I was about to be like, Beach. Beal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But then, of course, it's like duds, Beyond the Veil. And we <laughs> done talked about that veil for quite a while. And now we're on the night bus. Yeah, we just teleported. <laughs> on that note, we'll see you next Bye. time. Bye. <laughs>